Welcome to another episode of the Christ Sees You podcast. Uh, my name is Ian Warner, and I'm the community pastor here at Cottage Grove Church. And today I'm excited to be sitting down with Kobe Grable. Thank you so much for, for jumping on. Thanks for having me, Ian. And yeah, just to kick it off, like always, um, just want to talk about, yeah, our relationship, what I see in you, what's been amazing, what I see God doing in your life. So you asked me to get coffee uh, when I first mm-hmm. came on staff here. And so we went over to Soki Row. And I didn't know what to expect. And you stopped talking about your story and just going into where you were, where you used to be, how against God you were and um, how God just changed your heart. And um, I've had the honor of, you know, serving here at Youth Group and seeing, you know, your daughter and son and just seeing what God is doing in your whole family has been so amazing that I can't, I couldn't not get you on <laughs> on this podcast, man. So um, first things first, I just want to, yeah, talk a little bit about your story, man. Talk about where you were and, and what God has been, been doing in your life. Cause it really is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, been an exciting journey. Um, you know, I, I grew up in a, a fairly normal family, pretty, you know, fairly, uh, low income, uh, but, uh, Western Iowa, small town and, um, just kind of going through life. We didn't, uh, we, we, you know, I went to church every Sunday with my mom, but, uh, Christ wasn't a foundation in our house. So, you know, we didn't have any Bibles in our house. We didn't talk about God outside of church. Uh, so I was just kind of, uh, getting my identity through my peers and, um, the type of things I could do, my intellect, things like that. And all those things just kind of failed me, uh, growing up and getting into early adulthood. So, you know, by 14, 15, I started falling into drugs and alcohol as you know, relationships with girls weren't working out and things like that. And uh, uh, so, yeah, I just started using, um, got into trouble, um, you know, spent some time in juvenile boot camp and things like that. And, um, you know, I had my first daughter, got married, bought a house, all that uh, by 18. Um, and by my early 20s, um you know, I was pretty much drinking every day. I do. It, it wasn't a, uh, you know, living on the streets, uh, just kind of my life getting wrecked. I was very, you know, functional, just, I, I enjoyed drinking. I, um, would work all day, come home, you know, um, and, and drink. And I think, you know, there's a lot of, you know, stories you go into with that, but it was just kind of the, the way of life with me. Um, but by this time I'd really kind of, gotten my fundamental beliefs about God, uh, which is basically he couldn't exist. I, I had rationalized that there's no way that, um, you know, the creation story could be true, Noah's Ark could be true, the Bible didn't really seem like there was any authenticity to it, and I took a lot of pride in my own intellect. Uh, so um, it really left me just without any hope. That was the, the biggest flaw. I had no hope. I was just assuming that we were all floating on a rock that was eventually going to be absorbed by the sun and burn up, and uh, there was no purpose to life. So I couldn't come up with a way to get out of the rut that I was in. The only thing I could think was that, like, I just need to get through to the next day somehow. How do I just keep going? You know, the victory in life is if you can make it all the way through life with all your appendages still attached and die of old age, then you've basically had victory, and that's the ultimate victory you could have. And... Um, but yeah, I, you know, I moved to Des Moines, um, I met Courtney and, uh, we got together, uh, in her early twenties. She had two boys. I had one girl. Then we ended up having three more boys together. Uh, so our kids right now are age six to 18. They all live with us and, 
uh, five of them come to Cottage Grove with uh, various um, fashions, whether on Sunday morning or in youth group or in between. And um, yeah, and, and the kind of the way we ended up at Cottage Grove was by the time I was, I was just about uh, 30 and I'm just working, I'm drinking every day, I'm raising kids, I, I don't know what my purpose in life is. I, you know, kind of just I'm working in a sales job, so I'm driving around the country. And, um, you know, most of the time when I'm driving, I'm just thinking, gosh, I hope a semi-truck just pulls into the lane and just hits my car and then just kind of be done because I just didn't know what the next step was. And if I could just find a way out without it, with me actually committing suicide, then it would just kind of be over. I wouldn't have to just deal with hopelessness anymore. And, um, yeah, so I, I finally uh, looked up uh, some psychiatric because I just wanted, I, I figured that I was just kind of going insane and just needed to be locked up uh, and uh, sane and silent. Um, you know, I had, had a decent job with good insurance and got on their website to see what uh, psychiatric care was available. And, and there was a bug on the website for some reason. And when I looked it up, it only showed two qualified therapists within I, that was a lot of insurance policy. And uh, today, if you look, there's about 200. But on that day, there was just two. And the guy that uh, answered my call happened to have a fiction therapy and a master's degree in, in theology. Uh, so started seeing him. And, um, you know, he kind of tested my lack of faith and um, some Christian apologetics and, and testing and uh, just really articulate the gospel in a way that finally clicked inside it. It was a very about face turnaround. Uh, as soon as I could identify that Jesus actually lived and that he was God uh, and there was evidence for that, uh, all of a sudden, everything changed. Uh, it just completely perspective in the world very quickly. Mm. And uh, I started trying to just absorb as much as I could about Jesus. Um and learn, and then, then you know, things like old earth versus new earth, and you know, a lot of stuff to kind of work through. But uh, so uh, that uh, he kind of led me through that walk, and then started inviting me into, hey, you need to get into the recovery program. That's where you're really going to find healing. Um, it's going to get your family on board and things like that. Because our family with six kids, we're just kind of going off the seat of our pants, and there's uh, no Christ foundation, and and I. Came to understand um, who Christ was home and just be, hey guys look at uh, this is who Jesus is. <laughs> we're just and on that was, oh, okay, yeah, we've been waiting for this. We've been waiting, you know. Like, and that's not at all what it was. Mm. It was like I actually was. Uh, things got harder uh, because you know when you turn the flashlight on in a dark place, and um, that's what that's what happened. But um, and yeah, through this, this was in uh, January of 2020. Um, so by the time I think I'd gone to self every two times, and the pandemic started. And podcast and, and YouTube pastors, uh, uh, AA um, and sober recovery Zoom meetings, but uh, God just really continued to open my eyes and, and renew my heart um, through and um, through teachings, and you know slowly he, he started working on my family uh, and that I really struggled with and still struggle with. Mm-hmm. I want everything that now. Don't we all? <laughs> But yeah, over the last uh, two and a half years, um, it's just been incredible. My uh, Courtney at Cottage Grove about a um, couple, about three months after I started coming, and uh, she was recently baptized, which was incredible, incredible experience. Um, my three younger kids us every Sunday, and the, the 
one of the teenagers to been, uh, it's just been, it's been uh, a lot easier for me to kind of sit back and just enjoy the journey and no trust that it is going to all right. But, um, yeah, that's kind of everything. No, that's, that's really good. Uh, what, or, you know, word of encouragement, maybe would you give to someone in a similar position as you, where you come, <laughs> you, cause I, I can this word, um, you come to Christ and you're excited home and you realize, oh, she, she's not excited or he's not excited. Or, My kids aren't as excited as I thought they would be in it, in it, the flooding and make you want to just go back to your old ways. Cause the people I love the most aren't, aren't with me on this. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, one, one verse that really stood out early on was James uh, 1, 2. Boy, my brothers, when you experience uh, trauma many kinds, um, you know, just kind of, and, and, and a lot of kind of gathered from celebrate recovery was, uh, you know, God doesn't wait to hurt. And uh, experience hurt, or when you experience these trials, whether it's with your family or struggling with sin or, or struggling with just belief, um, that those are all... Uh, Kind of just attributes that God's going to character and to kind of celebrate it because it's going to give you a different perspective at some point, and um, you know, and and also kind of identify that every so you know some some of the challenges we find is that um, you know and, uh, I I'm not going to get deep into it, but just kind of loosely here, you know, one struggle in our household was kind of discussing LGBTQ and how it can mesh or not mesh with Christian. I think that's, that there's a lot of cultural issues uh, that uh, can easily be rectified, but they just, uh, people look at them as polar opposites and really they should, you know, they, a lot of times it seems like, okay, well, if you're in celebrating the LGBTQ community, you can't be Christian. Um, and so these kind of challenges where we would, we would butt head um, the relationships within our own house trying to reconcile Christ with culture, uh, basically, you know, I had to kind of look at it as our arguments. as we talk about these different beliefs, whether, when, you know, where it is, it's like, um, you know, everyone, remember we, we started arguing and there's, there's hurt. It's like that hurt is coming from someone else's preview, you know, um, and then you can send it back and then kind of trace back sin back to the original sin. And then it's, it's easier to kind of separate the challenges I'm facing my family or this particular situation and, and being angry at that it kind of shifts it to being angry at the original sin and then being able to look back on Christ as, okay, this is a problem that God can handle that, you know, I can't. The the, the things I had to just kind of hold on sometimes mm-hmm. just sit back and, and say, okay, I'm going to have to let God deal with this and just, I can't react, you know, to, to every situation that isn't going the way I want it. Try- the same way God saved you and I, with that He can save, <laughs> and that He will save other people. And it's our tendency, especially when it's people we love, to want it our own ends. Be like, I'm, I'm gonna do everything that you get salvation, right? But it's mm-hmm. like it's not it's to do, but it's for us to share the word. It is for us to to speak. And yeah, continue sharing the gospel over and over as as as, as many times as is needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that'd be helpful. Talk a little bit about celebrate recovery. Could be people listening that don't don't really know what. Celebrate recovery, or maybe heard it, but don't truly understand from the perspective of someone who's been through the program. Mm-hmm. So yes, twelve-step program similar to AA, um, and I think that kind of there's a lot of people. You know, they think that it's uh, just for people that are deep into drugs and alcohol, uh, and which it, it does uh, certainly 
uh, to that demographic, but uh, it's really a program with its habits or hang-ups. Uh, I think they say about 30 to 40% of people that attend sober recovery are suffering from you know, fear and depression, sexual addiction, porn addiction, food addiction, uh, just a, a number of different you know, just struggles in life or sins. And uh, it's, a, it's a program where I come together to worship God to start. That was uh, when, I, when I first walked into sober recovery, I had no idea what to expect. I never been to church, you know, uh, outside of, you know, just kind of growing up in a small town church. I'd never been to worship of Christ church. And I walk in, and this music is, it's, I mean, it was just incredible, you know. I'm like, wow, I I, I remember singing hymns that, you know, they're, they're using the name Jesus. I remember um, um, that um, first song that I heard, and, um, yeah, it was just so powerful. I'm sitting there in the room just sitting down, and, and people are just worshiping. Hands in the air, just worshiping God, and I'm like, man, these are the people I've been in front of my entire life. <laughs> But there's just something to it. I just felt the power room. And um, they're all different walks, um, you know, because, you know, it doesn't know race, it doesn't know religion, it doesn't know age, it, it, it doesn't know financial status, mm-hmm. you know, addiction doesn't care, or, or sin doesn't care, you know, troubles don't care. Well, there's people from all walks of life in there, of all different cultures, and, and, you know, so it's incredible just seeing them come together just to worship God. And um, they, when they come up and, and, Silver Recovery is such a structured ministry, so it's wide. They have a curriculum that they follow that's consistent. So my job where I travel around, I, I go to different Silver Recoveries around the country. Um, I can't. It's just always the same, which is awesome. Alternate between lesson and a testimony. So they do a um, 24-week lesson plan, so that's every other week throughout the year, which follows. Um, so in the you know in January, they start out in the denial. So... What are you in denial of? Everyone's into something at a stage in their life. And then, it, you know, it finishes with step 12, which is, um, you know, how can apply this to our day-to-day life and others. Uh, so they follow that curriculum. And then the alternating week is money. And a testimony is, is someone who gets up on stage um, and and tells their story to finish in about uh, 30, 30 minutes. He just stories victory uh, from people coming from that struggle that were maybe sexually abused as a child, people that were abused as a child, uh, maybe even people that had a perfect childhood, and then uh, things started to pity and, and selfish behaviors, like it kind of did with me. And um, so, you know, these testimonies and it just brings to life the victories, um, just the power that God has, and, and then up into different small groups. So you got they got small groups dedicated to chemical dependency and you know, fear, anxiety, depression, dependency, and just different groups. Men and women are always separated. And uh, then you really kind of build those bond with a good group of, of like-minded and people struggling with the same thing that you're struggling with. And everything confidential, so you're just sitting there together, sharing hurts, habits, and hangups, um, uh, confessing sin to each other openly, without fear, out for being judged. And um, where it is, you know. And then, um, and then you know, it's every week. And then, you know, the deep down stuff, they have step studies, which I've done two steps. I did a step study and step study. And that's when you get a group of people together with books, uh, go through the steps in deep detail where you read together, you're going to read them all out and um, you find healing. Mm-hmm. So. Oh man, so many things to talk. Um, my dad, I have to get you on here again. Uh, <laughs> one thing that's worth talking about, um, being a functional, I think is really important because I think people have an image of what they think holic is, right? 
like oh someone on the street and living your life you're working every day you're you were studying and getting good grades yeah yeah right? like it's not like you're in a worldly sense you're successful mm-hmm. but you still have this this underlying sin and yeah so i'm um making a very good income i'm working a job i started this i went to college while i was working i'm raising six kids i own a house you know everything seems perfect but you know i dad i don't use you know drugs whenever they're around um it's um just this yeah it's a it's a chaotic life and i think the core issue is that common because uh, a lot of the people that run into our stuff are all doing the same thing and it's so hopeless cycle um and huge problem uh, with Christ just not being normalized, like a church just being something that only. I, what I, I thought was like um, people that uh, couldn't uh, deal with problems themselves would go to church, which frankly <laughs> is where you should go. No one can deal with effectively. You know, I thought it was like intellectually challenged people and uh, just kind of people that couldn't figure things out in the church. And you know, uh, I think it. Uh, Normalizing Christ, like why? Why is it so weird to carry a brown with you and bring it into public and read Bible in public? Uh, why is it, uh, you know, and, and and finding ways to uh, make some of these, you know, uh, example evolution and Christianity. You know, we're we're feeding evolution into the children growing up or the school system, and uh, you know, the Earth being four point five billion years old. Things when you have that as a foundation, and then you start dealing with problems. Go to look at Christianity and. You don't think that can click because we've kind of been programmed that it won't click. It's it gets rejected so fast, and then almost for younger people to even consider it. Well, if I consider it, some people are going to think that I'm not intellectual, and then it, yeah, it can be drugs, alcohol, food, sex, whatever it is. Else. And um, I think that there's much pride in the world now, especially with all the social media and how everything looked perfect, is that everyone becomes functional in their sin. You know, whether it's, you know, alcohol or whatever. I mean, yeah, Alan's somebody that, you know, you'll end up getting a DUI or you'll end up, um, you know, getting caught with a prostitute or something and end up going to prison. But a lot of people are just living highly functional in their addiction. And, or, and, um, other challenge with it is I think that a lot of people think that, okay, well, if I'm, if my sin isn't drugs or alcohol, then I'm not really that bad. Like, I'm probably okay. I'm noticed I'm not drinking wine underneath of a tree with text, but you know, and there's all this comparing and yeah. So, yo, <laughs> functional sin, man, I'm going to go ahead and put that on us. That's really good. Functional sinners, man. That is the truth, right? That there are so many of us operating as functional sinners. You are on the outside. Everything looks good, but deep down in just things in our life, they're just completely just, just rotting and we need Christ to, we need all of that to be explained, right? So Christ can deal with it, man. That's that's so good. Okay, last question here. What can the church do? Be more welcoming to people who are just like you. Like you're looking at it and saying, those those people aren't intellectual. Those people don't know how to deal with their problems. How can the church do a better job of changing that perception and, and get more people to to experience that that true hope that you, you can only get through Jesus Christ? Mm-hmm. Um you know, that's that's a challenge because um, people to recognize that there's uh, there's actual value in, in Christ. But I think uh, trying to find some sort of common ground with the atheist and agnostic community um, is really important. Kind of need to uh, set up like um, uh, 
debates or something like that, especially with younger groups, college demographics. Hey, what's that? Uh, um, debates with some threatening um, kind of platform just to kind of challenge morality and, and, all right, what's the fabric of morality? What do we all experience? A common morality. Um, just, just ways to just plug into the atheist and agnostic group because of course, and there's so much media that's supporting it and even, you know, in ways we don't see necessarily through social media and stuff. And, um, and, and I think that recovery pro stuff like that kind of help attract those because it, that, that group, because it's, it's not coming to celebrate recovery is not as inviting as just walking into church. And why is that? No, for one, I, you know, I wasn't expecting, uh, I was, I was expecting help for my problem and also kind of like a therapeutic or something like that I didn't really know what I was expecting, but I wasn't to be preached at. I wasn't expecting the gospel. I wasn't expecting Jesus. No, I, I never be, heard because people, your brain wasn't in solution to your problem, even being Jesus. I can't going to get help from some people. Yeah. I thought yeah. there was just going to be some sort of mad dust that they just, you know, threw on me and, and I was just going to be fixed. You know, I didn't, I didn't think that there's going to bring up Jesus and, and just the, the way that and how, how powerful it is. And, and they, they believe you see it. Um, you know, it, it did not just be drawn in and, and healed. And then at least start considering it. I mean, you can't look around a roof of people that were all lost and on that are now are, you know, not necessarily fixed, but saved. Um, and then not have some sort of, questioning hope like wow maybe there's something to this like it's worth my time at least but even that crazy is that's what the church is yeah <laughs> it's people once lost and are now found right and mm-hmm. and it's like we have to do a better job communicating reality that we were once lost it's different than mine like it is different but it's not different at the same time where it's in and then we found jesus to rescue us from that sin um yeah so it's just man i i love i love recovery because you see how much people connect over brokenness but people it shouldn't just end there anybody could just kicked over okay we both went to jail together but it's like can also connect over a hope found in jesus and the same way out and the same way to the same path to the light mm-hmm. yep and yeah just being able to connect on that and you know point to jesus and and walk with and uh uh and start to separate sin from our identity, mm-hmm. you know. Just say, okay, uh, we've got to get out of denial, and this is sin. Now, that doesn't mean that you're a bad person, you're going to, you know, go to hell and, and, you know, all this bad stuff. It's like, we're just it's at least going to agree that this is sin. We can Jesus and uh, um, find salvation. Yeah, that's, that's something that's something just good to do. You know, when you walk in the door the first time, and that will be quick on this, but you, you know, you newcomers group, the first time you go, when you walk into church, you don't, they'll, you'll say, hey, come up and see me afterwards if it's your first time, but very rarely I think people actually do that. And so by recovery, you get into the auditorium and you're sitting down, they come and identify you. And they're like, hey, when you're done in here, the first thing, then they get you into a room, like, much like this one, and you sit down and talk about the program, and, and you know, you've got an hour with this person who lay out the foundation and, and they start to understand this program's pretty well structured, it mm. makes sense, and that group, and then that immediately gets you plugged in. They exchange phone numbers and they're seems to be like, are you coming back next Thursday? Mm. Um, that's just a great way to just keep you coming back and, and feel welcomed and like, okay, this is actually all right. Because the guy's group is telling you his story about how he struggled. He doesn't find a testimony or whatever. And that's, that's so good. And uh, I, I'll, I'll tell you what, 
And anyone listening to this, if you have not got a chance to sit sit down with this man, get a get coffee with him, take him, it's <laughs> worth it. Uh, just the his his whole story, he had more to the story that we can even get in one podcast. Um, but man, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful that you that that you're here at Faithful on on um, Easter Sunday when I got baptized. First thing I did, I was looking for you in the balcony, and I saw you praying. I, I that was that was a cool thing for for me personally to experience that. To hear come do a spontaneous baptism and just to see your response, pleasing God and just recognizing who He is and your life is doing your family. It's just, um, it's just phenomenal, man. It's incredible. And I'm in my family. We're all very thankful for Grove. I think it's uh, such an authentic church body. Uh, for the first time I walked in, I was like, wow, yeah, these are, it felt like just like that sober recovery. Like these are real Christians. Uh, they're not going through the motions. They're not checking out boxes. This is a real place to come worship God. And, um, and, and you preach the truth mm-hmm. from the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's very thankful for it. So yeah, I'm glad to be here. Praise God. Thanks, Thanks for having on, bro. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the Christ Sees You podcast. If you want to get in touch with me to share your own story or to connect me with someone who has an amazing God story, my email is iwarner at cottagegrovedsm.com. That's iwarner at cottagegrovedsm.com. And if you want more of this podcast, make sure you subscribe. See you next time.